country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and today we are covering another of our big chapter books. This time it is 1994's The Berenstain Bears and The Dress Code. And I don't have much of a history of run-ins with dress codes. I never had any dress code violations. I dressed pretty uh, conservatively. I also never had any run-ins, really, with any of my school (laughs) authority figures. I didn't tend to push boundaries or uh, test anything. I was fairly benign as far as a student went. I certainly never led any student revolutions. And I certainly never went head-to-head with the school board or the PTA or any other organization. But leave it to our Cubs to uh, take offense at the rules that get set up in their school one fine day and lead a revolution against the authority in bear country. But since I have so little experience with anything like this, I have brought in a guest to discuss this book with me, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Megan Griffin, the host of Judging Book Covers and Fabulous Retellings podcast. Welcome, Megan. Hello, how's it going? It's going very well. Now, have you ever had a run-in with a dress code? I am female, so yes, I have had plenty of run-ins. Um, not too terribly many, thankfully. I can only remember two from high school. Um, but this book definitely sparked a lot of memories of fighting with my mother about clothing. So, and what sort of fights did you have? Um, my mother was very much a, a you don't wear flip flops or casual wear to school, oh. um, which is amusing because I have twin siblings that are 12 that I think one of them lives in sports clothes and the other probably lives in leggings and flip flops. Um, <laughs> so that's always fun to remember. Um, so I think that's kind of more of where my dress code quote-unquote violations came for but I definitely remember getting sent to the principal's office and having to wear a big ugly sweater oh really because of some shirt now I I don't remember the shirts <laughs> but uh <clears throat> I definitely remember that or maybe so it was the, a teacher the closest I ever came to a dress code violation wasn't even really I wasn't even really close but uh, in junior high, I had a, 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 any number of Who Framed Roger Rabbit shirts. <laughs> and in eighth grade, there was this sudden like clamp down on uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit shirts and Bart Simpson t-shirts. And I had also had a Bart Simpson t-shirt that said, I'm Bart Simpson, uh, don't have a cow man. And he was like, oh, it said underachiever and proud of it, man. And he was holding a slingshot. And those got banned, as did any shirts with Jessica Rabbit on them. Interesting choices. I never, like, violated that dress code. Like, as soon as the hammer came down, I, like, shoved them in my drawer and forgot about them for the rest of my life. But I owned contraband (laughs) t-shirts. I'm trying to figure out, I guess, is that the point where Bart Simpson kind of took the Calvin and Hobbes turn? When it came to things, or this was this was this would have been early on in Simpsons lore. This was this was right as like the merchandise was just starting to come out. Interesting. Uh, so like he was still like the bad boy and the bad influence on kids. Right. So all of his all of his shirts said things like "Don't have a cow, man," and "I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you?" <laughs> Like how appropriate. Yeah, he was a terrible influence. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, my next question is, do you have any history with these Berenstain Bears? You know, I I remember reading them as a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. More of the not chapter books, the the actual kids books. Um, 
And I, I have vague memories of my elementary school classroom and having these books in hands. Um, nothing directly speaks mm-hmm. memory wise, but uh, they definitely were there. They definitely nothing that would like trigger an urge to start a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, I started them about every other book, so no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might have just beat me to it. <laughs> yes, but you, uh, you of course have uh, literary podcast leanings. I do. Yes. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your shows, and then we'll dive into this chapter book. Uh, sure. My first podcast is Judging Book Covers, uh, where um, so I have an English degree. I've I've been a reader my entire life, um, to the point where at one point I tried to figure out if I could ride a bike and read a book at the same time. <laughs> Didn't go well. That's gonna and say probably spoke to everything that I drove or had to motor, I guess, for the rest of my life because I'm a terrible driver. Um, but I found that I was kind of pigeonholing myself into what I was reading. And mm-hmm. so I started a podcast basically to force myself to read things that I wouldn't necessarily read on a regular basis. That's so, a great reason right? to start a podcast. <laughs> so I bring on two guests a month um, and have both of them pick a book. And the only stipulation is that it has to be a book that the other guest hasn't read. Um, uh-huh. And at one point it was, you know, something that actually meant something to you, but that caused so much panic to people. So I'm to the point now I'm like, I've had someone come on that wanted to read something that was on their to be read list. Um, I've had a guest come on and read his, the book with the first sexual experience in it. So it's kind of a little bit of everything. Um, And then we talk about it. So it's kind of like a book club basically. Uh, And then... While doing that, I had on my guest, or I had on my my friend, uh, Mary, who is like, when it comes to fairy tales, I don't know anybody that knows more, and Uh realized that I basically just wanted to sit around and talk to her about fairy tales, and so we started a podcast where we sit around and talk about fairy tales, and we discuss the original, and then five modern adaptations, so we do kind Mm -hmm. of like a season, um, and kind of sit around and giggle over how things have become. So we just started our first season, which is on Beauty and the Beast. Um, Yeah. We figured out. Wow, wow, that gets deep. Right? Um, Yeah, the the original Beauty and the Beast, that's a pretty dense read. It was. We, I did not realize it's, um, it's basically like 200 pages, depending on which adaptation you get. With like a lot of like really specific social commentary. Yes. It was kind of, uh, fascinating and immediately was redone. Like, yeah. It, it was released, and then somebody immediately took it and went, we're editing this down and making it <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> even more social commentary on stuff. So we had a lot of fun, actually. So we do two books, two visual medias, and then something really random. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, you know, if there's more books or if there's more TV stuff, we actually ended up playing a text game for Beauty and the Beast. So, oh, fun. Yeah. So basically, it's me getting to sit around with my friend and discuss fairy tales. Awesome. Well, this is me getting to sit around and discuss the Berenstain Bears. Which is just as awesome. Well, it's, and it's funny because it kind of combines those two. It's uh, The chapter books were books I'd always wanted to read. So this sort of forced me to do that. And much to my delight. And then uh, <laughs> picking apart uh, the ins and outs of children's stories is is the other half of that. So, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand uh, with, with, with everything. Well, this is the Berenstain Bears and the dress code, as I said at the beginning. So why don't you kick it off and tell us a little bit about what happens in this here book? Sure. 
Um, the book opens up kind of talking about how it's springtime, so everything fashion-wise is kind of changing, and how there's a new group called the Raz. And <laughs> it started with the boys, and they all started wearing their baseball caps backwards, and jeans were getting faded and starting to get ripped up, and I guess cutoffs were coming into style. And then the women, or the I guess the girls, I guess it is girls at his school. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> the girls started getting involved and uh, actually was cracking up because Babs Bruno was wearing two anklets and a toe ring. And which, a ring on each toe. Yes. <laughs> which is just a little too much for me. Just I, I was sitting there looking at my toes being like, that's just uncomfortable. Um, and then Too Tall and his gang starts wearing shirts with sayings on them, like buzz off, drop dead. Um and it kind of gets into the commentary. Sister starts talking about how each of the teachers kind of have their own roles. Yeah. Some are more lax about caring how the kids dress. Some are really against, especially the holes in the jeans seem to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and her friend tries to convince her to get in on the fashion. And she's kind of like, no, I'm okay. No, don't want to make yeah. the parents mad. So, yeah. So this opening chapter, it covers a lot of ground. Um, yeah. And like you said, like one of the big... Well, there's also the whole thing of, uh, first of all, Too Tall wears a bat bear cape. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Which is a whole <laughs> level of fashion that, like, it's kind of very fashion forward, I thought. I also like, they don't mention it, but all of the drawings have him in, like, a page boy hat, which... Oh, yes. I absolutely love a good page boy hat, so... So that's not just, that's not just this book, though. Oh, that, okay. that is Good to know. So Too Tall, Too Tall has always and will always dress like a street tough from the <laughs> 1930s. That's right, okay. So he is a, he is your quintessential bully. Uh, I think Scuzz always wears the hoopy cap. Uh, Vinny always wears the, uh, I think he's the one with the, uh, the stocking cap, like the, uh, the monkey's cap. And then, uh, Smirk always has the baseball cap, except it's not usually turned backwards. (laughs) And it's on backwards hats. I don't know. I don't know where you were in 1994, but I was ensconced. I was actually finishing high school in 94. And, uh, I can attest to the fact that at the beginning of this chapter, at least backwards baseball caps, faded denim uh holes in the jeans was what was a thing in 94 (laughs) like it's it's when it starts getting like and i guess like it sort of fits that like babs bruno would go a little too far like because they're still kids like these aren't even teenagers these are supposed to be kids wait really so they're okay because i was putting them around like (laughs) freshmen i guess so can you believe so so yeah so this this is something that we've discussed on the show before these books are clearly written as if these kids are in high school at least at least upper junior high well i mean but age-wise they're still supposed to be like fifth grade i'm trying to remember when i started dressing out for gym oh um and i definitely know it wasn't fifth grade yeah uh, but I, I guess it would have been middle school is when you had to go to the locker room and have the tra- traumatic experience of, you know, having to get undressed and put on gym clothes in front of other people. Oh, definitely. So I guess they are probably a little younger, but that was the first time I was like, oh, these aren't, this is an elementary school for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so the, so the chapter books exist in this nebulous world of like, the Cubs are supposed to be really pretty young, but they certainly act like 
preteens and teenagers. Interesting. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but feel free to feel free to place them in whatever age group you wish, whatever works for you. <laughs> well, given the uh, kind of romance drama that kind of happens in this, I'm going to age them a little bit in my head just because it makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> Otherwise, it's really weird, it's, isn't it? <laughs> it is very weird <clears throat> to be talking about uh, fifth graders being, quote unquote, on and off. Oh, gosh, um, yes. Yeah, Queenie and uh, Queenie and Tootall, man. Oh, yeah. They are they are the couple of the century. <laughs> um, yeah, they're horrible to each other. But uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of Queenie McBear, yes. So she wasn't the first person to go too far, um, because they were talking about how Vinny came with spiked oh. punk hair. But I guess yeah. Queenie finally is the one that breaks the line. Yeah. Um, as she comes in in a bright red body stocking and a very, very short mini skirt. And all yep. I could think of was how 80s this yes. all sounded. <laughs> like early 80s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is where this is where you have to remember that like Stan and Jan Berenstain were in, <laughs> they, they had they're all their kids were already parents like this okay. is. So they're they're operating as well as they can uh, within the parameters they're comfortable with, but uh, they they get they tend to get their their decades confused. I do enjoy that everybody has a headband on if they don't have a hat. Yes, I mean it's it's kind of great. Um, but yeah, so she is the one that finally crosses the line. Um, yeah. who's the one that catches her? Is um, Miss Glitch? Yes. And this is where we start seeing. Uh, well, I do want to point out to our readers that uh, we we see an argument between uh, Ferdy Factual, yes. who's the school nerd, and his girlfriend Trudy, who. Uh, so the weird thing about the chapter books is they sort of just got all released in a lump each year, with no numbering system. Okay. So in our timeline, the way I've been covering these books, we haven't met Trudy yet. Oh really? Uh, I don't. I believe she gets introduced in uh, the Camp Crush book, but uh, so she's actually. I've, I, I started reading this and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know who Trudy is. She's okay. Ferdy's weird. Like they have this really, really strange nerd relationship that I don't quite understand. So is she supposed to be a super popular kid or also a nerd with Ferdy? She's also a nerd. Okay. She's like super smart. Okay, because Ferdy to me came off, and I don't know if it's. Because of what the book talks about, he's like the quintessential hipster almost. See, that's what's so funny. So <laughs> in the book where he got introduced, people were like, oh, he's like he's he got sort of pigeonholed as like a well, actually guy. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And now he comes across this very hipstery. Yes. But when this book was written, he was just super nerd, like unpopular nerd yeah that's true i guess i am talking in 2017 fashion because he's yes. wearing a nerdy cap a vest and knickers which i don't know if guys wear knickers but i would not be surprised <laughs> right yeah. yeah he he would be he would be like riding to school on like one of those giant bicycles with the big wheel in front yes like from the 1800s i can't remember what they're called but uh yeah and definitely like, has like a monocle or something yes yes <laughs> <laughs> and he plays like he, he plays like banjo at parties Yes, oh, he's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy, <laughs> but but in 1994 he was still just a nerd. Yep, I guess yeah. that shows how much being a nerd has changed. And it uh, certainly has. Well, we talked about like we used to have nerd day in school. Yeah, I think we. I remember having that too. Yeah. 
yeah, dress like a nerd day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can't really do that anymore. Like, really there's can't. no. There's no nerd dress style. Like, what used to be nerdy, like, buttoned-up shirts and, like, tucked into your tight pants. Like, that's... No, that's just style. That's just fashion. <laughs> I guess it would almost be... No, I'm not going to go down that path because that, that'll that just be mean. Whatever yeah, I say. And, like, and also, like, you can't, like, just... D- dedicating an entire day of school to like <laughs> mocking a percentage of the school student body yeah i cannot <laughs> now i just feel guilty <laughs> right <laughs> it's like it's like you don't have like i don't know like laugh at the remedial class day oh. like they don't have that like no. the nerds weren't exactly high on the social hierarchy it was this it was the definition of punching down <laughs> for the record i was a band kid so i really hit every single nerdy aspect of high school so I have no problems feeling a little guilty about it, but at the same time, like I didn't dress too different. So yeah, I was a drama student. I was like <laughs> oh, a social. Okay. Fa- I was a social phantom. <laughs> like I may as well not even existed at that school. <laughs> oh, high school. So Miss Glitch. Yes. So she stops Queenie, and I'm trying to remember. Does she send her home? Well, yeah. So they get into this argument about how Queenie's dressed. And so Queenie is dressed in a way that she saw her mother dressed in a photograph. Yes. And she was just like, I'm going to dress like my mom used to dress. Which is totally, I mean, styles change about every, what, 20, 30 years? Totally makes sense. And uh, this is where we get introduced to the concept. And I loved that this got brought up, um, which is Miss Glitch says, you show a complete lack of respect for your school, the teachers, and your fellow students when you wear such clothing to school. How can you expect your classmates to learn anything with you dressed like that? Go home and change this very minute. And that is like a textbook shaming of a a school, of a a female student. Yes, it was... um... So when I started this, I was actually really nervous starting this book. When I when I remembered which one I had signed up for, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this because it's such a hot button these days. Yes, it is. Um, but that speech, I don't want to say I'm okay with it because I'm still not. But the fact that it was you disrespected your teachers and the school and fellow students and not like a mention of male students specifically it is it is this book tries to play it off as the ridiculousness is distracting rather than the provocative is distracting. right so even though she is in a bodysuit and a miniskirt which by definition is and and they talk they call her you know miss miniskirt and all these other things like it by definition they are trying to make her seem oh provocative not fifth grade. Definitely not fifth grade. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it walks that line. Like, it's very coded in that direction. Yes. And I think that Stan and Jane, well, I guess at this point, I guess it would have been, I think, I think this book would have been Leo Berenstain actually writing this one. Okay. But with a lot of oversight from Stan. Uh, like the bridging it, gap? Yeah. This, this book seems to walk that line deliberately. Like, they're not going to come out and say what the teacher would have said in real life right but i think that students children reading it would pick up on that and it's very telling that in no at no point is miss glitch shown to be like are they saying she's in the right right like Um, you're definitely given this from the cubs perspective and it seems very unfair and irrational when it happens and queenie responds 
in a way that makes total sense, which is she bursts into tears and runs out the front door. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly as any kid, especially the first time they get told, you know, you're not dressed appropriately, um, especially because she was probably very proud of this outfit. She just looks like her mom and probably sat down and put it together and everything. And then to be told, you know, this isn't appropriate, especially when it's not her teacher. And she makes uh-huh. that point. She says, hey, you're not my teacher. My teacher wouldn't have a problem with this. Um, although the fact that her teacher's male also kind no. of rubbed me the wrong way because I think it's it's teacher Bob. Um, yes. Who's apparently the most lax on the dress code. Uh, but yeah, or, I, I would have cried too. Not even the dress code because this is, this is around where we start realizing there is no dress code at this That's school. true. There is no dress code. It is uh, very much wear whatever you want, which... So I, I went to high school in the early 2000s. We had a dress code. Did you guys? Yes. Oh, oh, we definitely okay. had a dress code. And, and, um, and I know we did an elementary school, too, because I remember shopping for shorts. That was well, always a I, problem. I grew up in Texas. Okay. And in Houston, where, you know, the temperature gets pretty high. And we weren't even allowed to wear shorts. Really? We weren't allowed to wear shorts until eighth grade. Like, really? that's how strict the dress code was. It was jeans or nothing. Interesting. I split my elementary school years between uh, Arkansas and Georgia, and I don't ever remember a point where I couldn't wear shorts. But I, they had to be um, past your fingertips. Yeah, that was the thing because I got very used to having slouched shoulders. No, oh. <laughs> push your shoulders up. So yeah, because like you say, <laughs> styles change, and all of a sudden, girls with shorter arms are <laughs> like left in a lurch. Exactly. And I, and of course it was always the girls. Yes. Like it was the girls whose shorts length they were concerned about. Very much so. Um, so yeah, so the school has no dress code and Mr. Honeycomb, the principal kind of blows it off. Like he hears about what happened to Queenie. Dude, he's on vacation. He does not care. He was on vacation. <laughs> like, I guess a few days before he left on vacation. Cause he's like, just let it go. Let it go. It'll take care of itself. Right. Even though he knows he's got two rogue teachers working for him. Now, is that Miss Glitch and Mr. Grismeyer? Or is yes. This the, okay. Mr. Yeah. Grismeyer has been identified. Uh, I had Shannon Camp on for uh, the female fullback. Where Mr. Grismeyer publicly humiliated a female student. Like, violently humiliated her. Oof. And then... When she got onto the football team, secretly commanded all the guys on the team to hit her as hard as they could oh, and I leave her that one. leave her bruised. So, Miss Glitch is already a horrible person. <laughs> Mr. Grismeyer has many times over proven himself to be a creepy, horrible person. And yet, they are the ones left in charge of the school. I guess Mr. Grismeyer is. Yeah, because he's the assistant principal as well as the coach super fun yeah no this is a this is a yeah very american at the same time i mean football coaches are (laughs) very notorious i guess in in schools for you know getting up pretty high Uh, no kidding (laughs) um but i do like that her mom defends her uh queenie's mom comes in and says like hey you know as we've said you know she got this outfit from a picture of me but i don't know i when I was in high school, not all the moms would have done that. It would have been very yeah. much like, well, you should have known better. Um, right. So I, I really liked that Queenie's mom was like, hey, I wore this. What's the problem? 
Yeah, I was worried going into this book because I'm never sure where the Berenstains are going to fall on which side of a certain subject. Yeah. And I was so afraid this whole book that it was going to wrap up with, you got to listen to what your elders say, kids. <laughs> Same here. I actually got like a, a pint of ice cream to be like, okay, just in case <laughs> I need comfort. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> um, and what really irks me about Mr. Honeycomb is that he leaves Mr. Grismeyer in charge, tells him to please keep an eye on Miss Glitch, Ugh. which is kind of, I mean, he is the assistant principal, but it's still just like, dude, if you don't trust your teachers enough, you need to talk to them. But then it ends up with him saying like, Mr. Grismeyer keeping an eye on Miss Glitch. Wasn't that a bit like asking a wolf to keep an eye on the fox that's been prowling around the chicken coop? And I'm like, that's gross, dude. <laughs> yeah. If that's what you feel about your employees... It's almost uh, like a commentary on um, tenured professors not giving yes. care. It, it really kind of feels that way, uh, especially because, you know, he makes it very clear. I don't care. He says, I don't much care what style of clothes the Cubs are wearing as long as their bodies are covered, which I guess has always technically been the whole issue with dress code is what do we define as covered? Yes. Um, yes. And that comes up a couple of times in the book. Right. But he even specifically says, I don't want anyone sent home unless he or she is wearing something so unusual that it keeps the other students from paying attention in class. Yeah. Um, and if we make a big deal out of it, it's just going to get worse. And now, yeah, so they're playing on several different levels. Yes. Which I like. Like, this isn't a one issue thing. Like, there are so many different things. Because like, the kids are trying to be provocative. Right. And they get, as we see, as we'll see in the upcoming chapters, they they double down on how provocative they're going to be. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know but, if it's, well, I guess provocative, I guess. But it, it almost kind of becomes more strange. It's definitely against the status quo. Yes, yes. By provocative, I mean they're trying to provoke... Gotcha. A re reaction from the teacher is not like not like in the in the, in the more like uh, gross sense of provocative. Yeah, I'm trying to keep the dress code of '94 and dress code of 2017 separate in my mind. Yes, and the, <laughs> and it is definitely uh, well, we'll get to it, but uh, they get into it with their parents, and yeah. and Mama, of course, being Mama, is the more level-headed of the two. Um, but now, does she speak out against much? How do you mean? I mean, she is fairly quiet through this entire issue until the end of the book. I mean, at the end of the book, it's kind of like she knew the right thing, but she never really speaks out. Does she? Is this just a, kind of the fi family dynamic? Well, usually what happens, especially in these chapter books, is Papa gets big and explosive. Papa in the chapter books is very and it's and when i i point out chapter books because he's not really like this in the in the easy readers right. like the 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 first time readers but uh in the chapter books you you see a papa bear who's far more conservative like socially yes. um politically uh they sort of paint that picture like he's he's a he's a good guy but he's he's set in his ways as and he has an idea of what propriety should be of what like people's roles should be Whereas Mama is the more liberal thinking and the more progressive thinking, I guess. Okay. Um, so she says in this chapter, she says, uh, how much freedom should there be for cubs to wear whatever they want? I don't have a problem with cubs wearing what they want unless it's so weird that no one can pay attention in class. And as long as they aren't half naked. 
Um, yeah, which again, what defines covered? Right. What is naked? What is what is naked to uh to a bear? <laughs> <laughs> like, especially when you're covered in hair and you have no defining gender characteristics. Especially because if you look at Queenie, these pictures of her. It looks like she's wearing leggings, and then it hits me that that's supposed to be her fur. So, oh. <laughs> so was at first I was like, what is wrong with this outfit? And then I was like, oh, that's right. They're bears. <laughs> so they never come out and say, like we said earlier, they never come out and say anything about sexuality no. or, you know, like f- being physically, like, provocative. or But, but it's it is all... at the same time there. Yeah, like Papa Bear is like, I think everyone should wear uniforms and they mention the nudity and um, it's there. Like it's, I think it's obvious to even the younger of the readers of this book, yes. like what they're really talking about. You know, as a kid, I was very against uniforms. Um, uh-huh. Adult me is all for that. Cause then <laughs> you get, you only need five minutes to get dressed in the morning. It would be so much easier. Oh yes. Um, I hate wearing my work shirts. Like we have shirts that are branded with our organization. Oh, but yeah. when those are when those are all that's clean, I find it so much faster to get ready right. for work. I'm like, oh, I just wear my work shirts. Like I don't even have to think about it because it's it's a uniform. It's designed for me. Yeah, same here. In the summer, I pretty much wear dresses to work just because it's just too hot to wear pants. But Fridays yeah. are jean days. Fridays are the worst because then you have to figure out what you're going to wear with the jeans. And does it actually – yeah, it's too much. So – Right. Totally can get on a board with uniforms today, but they, I mean, I, I remember as a kid, it wasn't the way to express yourself. So. Right. And, and like I said, like, even if you do uniforms, the rich kids will get the better uniforms. Oh, yeah, anyway, the, the fashionable kids will find ways to tweak it. Like exactly. Kids, kids get around things like this. Like it's, there's no winning. I am a sucker for any book or TV show that involves some kind of private prep school uniform and watching all the different uniforms and styles. So totally get it. Um, But the point that Papa actually made me angry was when he said, I guess the important thing is that I don't mind that you guys, that the Cubs are, that you Cubs are in favor of dress freedom just so you don't do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I had to put the book down for a minute because I was like, what? This is the point where the book, for me, stopped being about dress codes. Yes. And started being, oh, this is a more political book. Mm-hmm. This is a sneakily political book that's making bigger points about law and law enforcement than the kids are going to pick up on. Right. Yeah. Uh, this was there's too much going on this today that, that makes me go, you can't sit silence that Mm -hmm. this book hit on that a little too, too much. I would mean, I'm coming from the angle where I'm saying this book hit on it more like in a, in a way that I like. No, I I agree. It was just, it was, um, given everything that happened yesterday, I was like, okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) This is 2017 to this. For those of you listening to this hundreds of years in the future, <laughs> it's 2017 right now, and the world is the the nation is politically volatile. Yes. And uh, to have a character in a book, especially a character you love, like who's a, a trusted authority figure, say, "I don't mind you having these rights as long as you don't exercise them." Yes. If you exercise them in public, I'm going to put my foot down. 
Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> yes. And Papa Bear, of course, is our our resident problematic character. Like that's kind of his role. He we know for a fact that since he said it, it's going to be undone by the end. Okay, but so is that kind of always his role as the the close-minded, I guess? He's usually the close-minded one or he's the like extremist. Like okay. why have this much of a rule when you can have 100% denial? Why have this when you can just shut it all down? Like that's kind of his thing. Okay. Um Ooh. but in that in that very obnoxious condescending parental way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much reminded me of fights that I've had with my own father where it's like, okay, I'm going to walk away because you're just not listening because I'm a child. Right. So um, I actually very much related to sister in this book, especially after this conversation, because Mm -hmm. she remembers Lizzie offered to let her borrow some rad clothes. um, And originally was like, I'm not going to do it because I don't, I don't care. I don't care about fashion that much. Um, And also because if I get caught, like that's just more trouble than I want. Um, I was definitely the kid that was like shoving clothes in my bag to change. Oh, really? Yes, because my mother was very much, it was the flip-flops more than anything. Like I <laughs> loved wearing flip-flops. I hate flip-flops nowadays, but <laughs> uh, so I definitely would, they were in my backpack so that I could change the moment my mother went to work or the moment, you know, that I went to school. Um, not so much, very much anything else, but definitely remember the flip-flops so when sister went down that path i was like i got you i understand that yes well sister and brother have this interesting dynamic in the chapter books where and it actually really started irritating me in this book um not from a like for like a criticism against the writing like the characters started bothering me because brother is always the fence sitter he's always the one who's like i don't have any skin in this game i'm just gonna kick back you guys do whatever and then in the end, he'll step up. But sister really? is the more mild, non-confrontational one. Like, everyone, please get along until she's hit with a real injustice. Mm-hmm. And then she will immediately jump into the fray and take and take action. But brother's always hanging back. I love the way sister does this. It really bothers me that brother is taking, that he tends to take the easy out. Like, he has the privilege of doing that. Yes. Because he's not on the hot seat and he's not going to like stick his neck out for anyone until until it all comes to a head. Yeah. Is he kind of, I guess, the group leader? Like he has very much the vibe of. uh, of, I I don't know if this one. I mean, I, I can see it really bothering, but is it more that he just doesn't care or more that like. It's it's not that he doesn't care so much as. Well, as long as, like, it's not directly impacting me, I'm not going to take any action. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or as long as it doesn't get way too unfair, I'm not going to take... Like, he he doesn't express his... He's always just like, well, I don't care. Which I guess is realistic for, like, some kids his age. Like, or just for people, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to take in a protagonist. It very, yeah, especially considering that he's ends up quote unquote saving the day at the end of this. I mean, which he does. Yeah. Which is kind of his thing. Like I'm just going to take, hang back, let everyone else take care of it until I'm called into action. And then I'll jump in. Poor sister. Is she the younger one? She is the oh, younger bless. one. Poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> this is so, coming from ev- the oldest child. So oh. <laughs> I get it. 
So all the kids start getting angry, um, and they all start rebelling against the uh, the 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 new Im- Im- imposed rules against them. Yeah, that we still don't have a dress code, but they're still fighting it. Uh, Babs ends up wearing three anklets and two rings on each toe. <laughs> the jeans are getting more torn up and starting to look more like cutoffs. Um, yeah. And then suddenly Too Tall and Queenie are back to being together. And oh my God, when they come in, I'm yes. cracking up. I remember wearing skirts over jeans. I can't remember if it was like for a day <laughs> thing or like a tacky thing or if like it was actually briefly a fashion choice. Um, but I was quite amused by the uh-huh. torn up jeans and miniskirt combo. But the earring on oh, Too yes. Tall. Oh yep. my gosh. So this is interesting because Queenie has dressed in a very uh, a very tactical way. Yes. Like in a way that she can just barely get away with. Right. Um and everyone's impressed. But yeah, so then so then the the earring on the boy which is going to which he's specifically done in order to challenge uh Mr. Grismire. Yes. Which to me is a testament to the fact that the Cubs know, obviously the Cubs know what's going to set off their teachers. It's interesting to me that Grismire is going to be set off by a boy in an earring. Um, I don't know how much, I, I remember it from the 90s movies was kind of a thing. Uh-huh. It was always kind of a slacker vibe. Um, a, a guy wearing an earring? Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think, like, in high school, I definitely didn't know any guys who had an earring. But it was becoming a fashion thing where I went to school. Okay. Like, but it was still that thing of, like, which ear do you wear it in? Oh, like, yeah, what I are you saying? Those. Like, what, like, uh... Which I still can't remember which one is, quote, unquote, which one. But right. other than, like, <laughs> right. my dad has an earring, and that was a big thing to find out a kid yeah it was a, it was a big deal when guys got earrings yeah. they were definitely doing a too tall and making a <laughs> statement um uh, which but and he's still and he's still wearing a cape by the yes, way uh, yes yes which becomes an actual point later <laughs> yes it was, doesn't it ever um, um but it doesn't actually set him off in the way they're expecting no he does tell uh, queenie that she looks like garbage yes some greasy old rags got stuck to your leg yeah, which, that's horrible. And it's got this vibe of, like, he's in front of everybody when he yeah. says this. So it's like, instead of a teacher telling a student off, it's it's a, it's a very school bully film. Yeah, oh, Grismeyer is a school bully. Yes. And he gets off on shaming girls. Like, we'll see this repeatedly in the in the chapter books. Grismeyer is a terrible man. He is awful i hope there is a point where he gets fired i really doubt that there is but well, you do find out that he has in, in a later book and i think in the next book you find out that he has a horrible relationship with his own son oh he's got a kid oh, an no. adult child oh, surprise no. surprise we'll, we'll be hearing about him in the next episode oh, no, i can't wait <laughs> this this poor guy um so yeah so grismeyer is a terrible terrible man he tells a student that she looks like trash um oh. which is about the worst thing in the world. Yes. Um, but he doesn't send them home. He does not send he them home. disappears into his office and isn't seen for the rest of the day. 
which is bad news. Yes. That's... And worse news, as chapter <laughs> 8 is called. <laughs> yes, it's always worse when someone stops yelling. Trudy and Bertie <laughs> break up for a while because she's too rad for him. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> which is great like the hipster the hipster who's like so put off that his girlfriend is following trends i actually highlighted a portion of this because it was the point where i was like he is actually the hipster because he says that's right i'm the only real rad come around here have you seen anyone dressed like me and i was like oh bless yep he says uh nonsense being rad is being different from everyone else nearly all the cubs are wearing <laughs> weird jeans now you're just a conformist oh I mean, come on, dude. Like, this was 94, and they had their finger on some kind of future pulse. Yes, very much so. But then she points out that Ferdy Factual is dressed exactly like Actual Factual, which to me is a hilarious thing, because obviously he was originally designed as some kind of visual shortcut for the readers, and now they're pointing out this, like, this like shorthand. It's like they're calling attention to the to the semi-obnoxiousness of the illustrations of the book itself, which I just, I find it charming. Um, they're like, yeah, you dress exactly like your uncle actual factual. And they both have page boy hats. I love it. They do. They do. Um, so they all think that there's like no, nothing, nothing's going on. Like no one's getting in trouble, but this is where the dress code comes in. Oh yes. And this is where we start finding out that rules are being made to target specific students yes and while yes that's horrible as a dress code we also as a society understand at least if we're paying attention that certain laws of course are written to yes. target certain people to the ex and enforced to target certain groups of people to the exclusion of others right oh, and political. <laughs> it's a very political message like, they look up at the dress code and it's all, no blue jeans with holes in them, no cutoffs, no bat bear capes, no mini skirts. And you're like, oh, oh, this really happens, kids. <laughs> yeah. To... And. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and of course, Ferdy stands in as the person who's like, it's just law, like, follow the rules if you don't want to get in trouble. And they're like, well, what would you think if they if they banned knickers? And he's like. Well, as long as it applied to everyone, it would be fair. And you're like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. Where it's. And I like that Trudy is the voice um, that's like, no, it, it is a ban specifically against you. Mm -hmm. Rather than. I, I get that it is for everybody, but it is a target against you. Yes. Um, and, you know, and, and of course, we don't try to get. We don't try. We try not to get terribly political on this show, but we can talk about how, like, drug laws are written. To target certain groups of people. We can talk about how uh, stores put up their own dress codes to target certain mm -hmm. groups of people. Like, this is a thing. And I think this is an interesting way to introduce this idea to kids. It, that's true. I mean, ingrain it kind of early. Yeah. Like, pay attention to the rules that are being made. Right. Because even though they seem to apply to everyone... Where did they come from originally? Where did they come from and who were they really targeting? Right. Like that's a that's a that's a heavy thing to to teach a kid, but it's also like one of those smart things to kind of like introduce early. What's even more fascinating is kids these days um, I don't know, I have 12-year-old siblings, so very much grew up post 9/11 where there is a lot less privacy, there is a lot 
more trying to figure out a polite way of saying like enforceable issues, I guess. Um, yeah. 94 would have been around the time of desert storm, right? Right after I was very yeah, right after desert storm. <laughs> 94. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't necessarily politically quiet, but it was right. a very different political world of today. So yes. it's always fascinating to watch my younger siblings and how they deal with things like this. And it is mm-hmm. very, very different than how I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I wasn't, I think kids today are given a much broader worldview. Yes. Um, but just simply by the fact that the world is a lot more open than it was when I was in kid. Right. Like we have access to more of the world more instantly and we can see things that are happening and, and uh, your sense of justice is sort of like demanded of you earlier on. Yes. So, uh, and we get this great paragraph where brother bear is kind of working all this through in his head. And he brings up a great point, which is that the teachers keep saying this is about fairness and respect. And he's like, well, obviously we just realized that it's not about fairness because these rules are targeting certain students, right. but it's also not about respect He's like, because you can put too tall in a three-piece suit, and he's not going to respect his teachers. Right. Whereas most of the kids who are wearing the rad clothes already respect the teachers and the grown-ups. Like, they even respect Mr. Grismeyer. And they're not keeping each other from paying attention anymore. Because everyone's getting good grades in Teacher Bob's class. Right. So he's starting to get angry about the dress code. But again, he's not speaking up. Exactly. But I, yeah. I, I actually really did love that paragraph because there are so many regulations and things it's in school, you know, standardized testing and everything, and that it, it is kind of becoming a problem of so much restriction. What are they actually learning and, and experiencing? And can a kid actually be creative in this world? And I like that they're kind of pointing out that, like, yeah, these kids are wearing really crazy things, but they're still studying. They're still getting yeah. good grades, you know, like exactly. It, it doesn't matter. God, that's the most basic thing I was gonna say. It doesn't matter what you're wearing or what's on your body. You know, it's internal, but, but it kind of is here. So. Right. And it, it's a, so let's zip through the next chapter because yes. we're running really low. Sorry about that. So, no, no, no. There's just so much to discuss in this book. Um, but the, uh, a group of parents start a, start a, a group called, uh, the Bears for Order and Respect in Education, or BOR, if you get it. Which I kind of actually loved. The, yeah. The with with, uh, with uh, bumper stickers that say honk if you're a boar. Yes. Uh, and the the kids start a group called uh, Freeze, F-R-E-E-S. Yes. Which, uh, freedom and rights for each and every student. Um, so the, So people are organizing now. Right. And the the Cubs are, of course, all for freeze. And a lot of the parents, not all the parents, but a lot of the parents are firmly in the, on the side of boar. Uh, and the dress code just keeps getting worse. Because the kids are trying to find all the loopholes. Yes. Which I loved. The Queenie wears green jeans at one point. Um, Tutal is in a super bear cape. No longer. Not a bat, a bat bear yes. cape. Yes. Um, 
which is basically, again, just showing that this is targeting specific students, not trying to be fair and respectful. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we also have Brother Bear finally taking because he gets his band concert taken away. Which... Right, right. So, again, that's that thing where it finally affects him <laughs> personally. And so he's like, oh, I guess we got to do something about this. <laughs> um, this, is the, this is the person who who uh, decides to finally take action just because the political march is interrupting his drive to work. Yes. That is a good analogy for it. It is where it's like, well, I'm glad you're doing something finally, but wasn't, shouldn't your line been about 20 miles ago. Right. (laughs) Um, And then Mr. Grismeyer tells them that their, their parents could go to jail. This is, Oh, that's because they're going to riot. That's right. They're going to strike, not riot. They're going to strike. (laughs) Yeah. So they said they're going to strike. And he's like, if you're truant, I'm going to throw your parents in jail. And you're like, wait a minute. This is getting way too close to home now. Yes. Like now we're being threatened with indefinite detention. Um, and it's it, it, the, the students decide to go on strike because they say like he can't he can't suspend all of us. Right. Like if we all go on strike, he's not going to have any power. And everyone kind of gets behind it. We got too tall. We've got Queenie. We've even got Trudy and uh, and Ferdy in this lovely little picture. You see Ferdy, uh, and you see Trudy leaning against Ferdy, and she has like her <laughs> arm around his face, and I can't actually tell which way her head is supposed to be turned. I was say it looks like it's on backwards. Her head is on backwards in this picture. I I can't, but that's her back. But that's her face. It's a really weird picture. Either that, or she's just wearing her overalls backwards. Backwards. Maybe that's her back. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe she is. I don't know, but. That's not the same. She's not even wearing overalls in the I don't in the picture previous. Who is that? That's her head. Maybe she's. I don't know. It says Trudy ran over to Ferdy and gave him a big hug, but she's not wearing overalls. She's wearing an E equals MC square shirt. There's got to. I don't know. That's that's. I'm a, totally. It also looks like she doesn't have a neck. So yeah, uh, it's a questionable drawing. It's a very questionable drawing. Uh. So things politically ramp up yes. between these two groups. Um, and we finally get Mama Bear's opinion, which, again, kind of hits home, I think, to the the polarizing political world. Um, yeah. Where she says she felt that if the, the dress wars might never have started if Miss Glitch had just warned Queenie about her miniskirt instead of sending her home. And I felt that to my core because it seems like so many people just jumped the gun to from zero to a hundred and it's like there was a middle ground that you could have hit yeah that would have at least started a conversation it might have not gone the way you wanted for either side i don't know i negotiation just seems to have gone out the door in the political world well and I wanted to point out, so this is just ties in with a book that I'm reading right now called A Colony in a Nation okay. and by Chris Hayes. And it's a book about how uh, law enforcement in our country is run like uh, like law enforcement was run in, in the colonies uh, back in the 1700s, uh, where it wasn't about maintaining law. It was about keeping order. And it wasn't about justice. It was about keeping people in line uh, because you were a colonizing force with uh, a minority population that didn't have many rights and you were trying to keep them in line. And 
so much of what this book is about and brother points it out and the, 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 the parents go out of their way to point it out throughout their actions is that this isn't about <clears throat> maintaining order. This isn't about uh, the rule of the law. It isn't about fairness or raising good kids. It's about keeping a firm control on people and smacking them down when they dare push against your your enforcement. That's a really like good. publicly. Yeah. And I'm really just surprised over and over again that the book goes there. Yeah. I mean that is very much the line that it walks. Yeah. And that it and it, that it results in like demonstrations and protests. Yes. And finally a de- wasn't a debate, I guess is it the protest it was, or it was going to be a so so what happens is they decide to have a debate between the two groups. And uh, I think it's going to be Ferdy against, like, Mr. Grismeyer. I think originally, but Brother's like, you're smart, but you're really oh, But everyone hates you. Yes. Yeah. Like, what you're saying <laughs> yeah, just... is terrible. <laughs> right, right. You're just going to end up talking about all the records you own. Right. And, <laughs> and how it was back in the good old days. <laughs> and your Warby Parker glasses or whatever it is that you have right now. Like... Um... That no one's going to want to hear from you. So yeah, so you're right. Yeah, brother does take the take the lead on that. Yes, and but wait, he they're going to get coaching. Though. I was going to say they go to visit uh, Mr. Dweebish, which was in was it in the last episode or the last one that you guys did? I don't know. I just listened to one with him. Um, yeah, Mr. Dweebish seemed like he was a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> so when he showed up in this one, I was like, oh, is this going to get worse? <laughs> worse? So, yeah. So for our listeners who don't remember or maybe didn't hear the episode yet, uh, Mr. Dweebish was in uh, the Berenstain Bears and the, uh, oh, goodness, I can't remember the name of the book. Um, it was the one about Something democracy. Yes. And he taught a Foundations of Democracy class. He was a he's a he's a, a college teacher who came to teach one class at their school, and he ended up violating yeah. like all the students' trust. He framed Tutal for theft in order to prove a point, and basically just got quietly asked to leave and never come back. Yeah, so I guess this is supposed to take place before that, or like no, it's after. It says he taught Foundations of Democracy. Like oh, they were God, like, but. I don't know. <laughs> He's one of the smartest. He was one of the Cubs all thought he was one of the smartest teachers around. Oh. And that they knew that he would be against Mr. Grismeyer's super strict dress code. And I'm wondering if it's because, like, you know, Mr. Dweebish is really a loose cannon. Yeah, he doesn't have a. He does. He's one of those teachers in a movie that's going to sit backwards in the chair. Yep. <laughs> and make you and stand on hates, your desk. Who hates rules, man. Oh. And, like, when I was in school, I wouldn't have stood up for that. I would have walked out, man. Like, he's that guy. He really is that guy. But there's still um, no, like, line of, we're slightly uncomfortable to be around you because you right, stole our right. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess we can see Mr. Dweebish. Like, let's all go. Let's go in those a group of at least three. Yes. Because we don't know what he's going to, like, say or do or he's a little volatile. <laughs> um yeah, he's really a terrible guy, but uh, <laughs> I guess it takes a terrible guy to fight a terrible guy. Um, That's true. They always, I mean, you can go back to the darkest nights and yes. you know they, they have a they have an ace up their sleeve. <laughs> um, but his point for the debate actually is kind of brilliant. Um, he has 
helps brother get slides of pictures of all these members of four and how they looked as kids slash teenagers and yes. what they wore um which one of them looks like a 1930s gangster and i love it yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's uh oh which which i think it's teacher, mr it's, grismeyer yeah he had on a zoot suit yes with huge pointy shoulder pads and a wide-brimmed hat and he's like He's like twirling a uh, like a pocket watch. Yes, I love it so much. Well, it's, so what's funny is uh, Miss Glitch is in a skinny, a skimpy little skirt with daisies tucked behind her ears. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh wait, no. Miss Glitch says she's wearing a T-shirt with the word "Steel Dragonfly" printed on it. Uh, in the circle is a picture of Steel Dragonfly's lead singer, Gorgeous Grizzly. <laughs> Who's Steel Dragonfly supposed to be? I don't know. I, like at first I was like Steely Dan, but like no. I went there too, but I wouldn't consider him gorgeous. No, <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think any either of the members <laughs> of Steely Dan have ever been described as gorgeous. Um, but it definitely looks like some sort of like hair band or heavy metal band or like seventies like. Yeah, we've still uh, got the headband, which. Well, headband just means awesome. <laughs> I, it, it's got to at this point. It's got to mean rad. Like, is it supposed to be like Iron Maiden? Maybe. Or like uh, I don't know, but uh, substitute your band from the '60s to the '80s that had Papa, a to the lead singer. But Papa Bear was dressed as a hippie, very much so. Miss Glitch is dressed as like an '80s like rocker, uh, and uh, Mister McGriz or Mister Mister Grismeyer is dressed like a gangster. Like, <laughs> when were these people kids? <laughs> like, know. how old are these teachers? <laughs> They're all like come from different decades. <laughs> Like I said, they all fell in the time tunnel. Yes, and in the background, there's a of of Papa Bear. There's definitely a bug, uh, Volkswagen bug, and definitely a girl in a miniskirt. So, right, this is setting yeah. up the fact that Papa Q Bear, who we've been led to believe this whole time, has been raised pretty conservatively, was never much of a troublemaker. Went through a hippie phase, <laughs> but not just a hippie phase. He went through like a traveling in a bus. Flower with power. the dead phase yes yeah like man he was he was on that magic kool-aid test <laughs> and he was he was driving across country man he's making a peace sign and everything oh which unless he just yeah every conservative parent that's not true every conservative parent in a movie this seems to happen so it is kind of yeah of course he had his quote-unquote wild phase of course he did um, unless this was just like he was at a, like a like a county fair, and this is like him like at the dress up photo booth. It's quite possible. But it is possible knowing Papa Bear. <laughs> um, but what happens is the parents are all just so embarrassed. Well, Mister Honeycomb returns. Yes, and uh, it's kind of like he sneaks into the back. This whole thing happens. The nobody of Boar speaks up against the pictures because they're so embarrassed yeah. and like. He comes in like a uh, like the king at the end of Robin Hood. Yes. Like King Richard at the end of Robin Hood, who's just like, oh, I'm back, here to restore order. Yeah, it's time for the dress code experiment to come to an end. And it's like, did you plan this? That's what I was wondering. Were you, like, secretly at the school the whole time? (laughs) Wearing, like, a a disguise and running around. Right. (laughs) Wearing torn (laughs) jeans and a Batman cape. Oh, that's a wonderful image. (laughs) Um, I don't know. In a way, you could see it as kind of... A smart line of, I guess, showing Mr. Grismeyer that he's not always right or, yeah. or whatever. But uh, 
I don't know. This poor kid's all need therapy now. So well, so he inst- he he puts in a new rule, which is there's no more dress code, but Friday will become as you are day for students and teachers, which is a little bit brilliant. Yes. As far as like give the kids an outlet, and they're going to just pull way back. Yeah, I mean that's kind of basic of parenting from what i understand i don't have kids but you yeah. know, <laughs> give them parameters don't necessarily tell them no but yeah give them something to function in and, and odds are if you make something awesome and rebellious they're gonna do it yeah so he's basically like i don't care what you wear on any day but on friday i really don't care what you wear <laughs> and they're like oh cool then they just kind of like save it all up for friday yeah and their grades are all staying high, and, and everybody kind of calms down every other day. And yeah. dads, it even mentions that her anklets and toe rings go back to fewer and fewer. I don't know if someone just had something against anklets or if that was just against really the toe big. rings. <laughs> How many toe rings can you wear? Like, it seems after a while you just wouldn't be able to walk. I, I, I remember wearing one as a kid and hating it. Anklets I was okay with, <laughs> but toe rings, man. Well, you also find out that uh, Too Tall didn't really have a pierced ear. Which, of course. Yeah. Uh, even though I was a little surprised. Like, I'm surprised that, like, Scuzz didn't pierce his ear in the junkyard, like, <laughs> with a piece of, like, rusty metal. But I guess there is a point of being too rebellious. Right, right, right. Come to find out, Too Tall's ear was terribly infected. <laughs> um, um, uh, so, yeah, they end up getting hundreds on their tests. Does it really talk about if the teachers really give in to the... It doesn't say anything about the teachers. Uh, Papa, of course, is, you know, Mr. Grismeyer is a great coach and a terrific gym teacher. But as a principal, well, Mr. Honeycomb seems to run things a lot more smoothly. You know what? He's not a great coach and a terrific gym teacher. He's a terrible man, Papa. But you know what? I can also see Papa kind of agreeing with Mr. Grismeyer in a lot of these points. I wonder if that's why the principal keeps him around as like a a buffer for some of these very conservative parents. Like, oh, you're right. I'm super liberal and going to have the right answer at the end of the day, but you kind of need to come into your way through this medium. That's some smart leadership, probably. Like, Grismeyer doesn't actually have any power, but mm-hmm. if he's the parent's first contact, then it's he's going to set them at ease that he's there. Yeah interesting unfortunately a lot of poor cubs will get damaged (laughs) it doesn't make it okay but but it is a tactic um that seems to work occasionally in politics i guess and mama just smiled (laughs) because she had known that all along um I don't even really know what that means. I think they just had to end the book somehow. <laughs> but uh, Probably without actually, like, hating themselves anymore. <laughs> but, uh, so, that's the Berenstain Bears and the Dress Code. Megan, what did you think Ooh. of this week's book? I am very glad that this book didn't take the turn I was expecting to at first. I was a little concerned that it was going to be more female-focused. Um, uh-huh. This is even before I, I sat down and bought the book, and and thankfully I think the cover has boys on the front, so it was a little easier to digest. Yeah. Um, I think it's still very relevant. I think this is something that kids should still read today. 
I mean, yeah, I was very surprised. Um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be at this point because <laughs> these books continue to surprise me. But uh, the uh, I was very surprised at the fact that I thought it was going. First of all, the cover shows cousin Fred, who's not even really in this book, in basically a Zorro outfit, <laughs> and that never happens in, in, in all in this book. He's wearing a he's wearing a cape with a Zorro hat. I kind of love and, it. And and a space shirt, and then it looks like brother or somebody is wearing like a loud popped collar, like loud '90s print shirt, and there's like crazy ties on the cover, a hat that just says "dude." <laughs> I like the tie uh, with the guy that's like peeking over. A necklace that's a pair of lips, a button that just <laughs> says "not." Um, but yeah, it's I liked I. I, I I don't know. It was easier to digest knowing that this was not some kind of attack on. I was actually a little concerned that this was going to be more of a, and you need to follow your dress code yes. or you need to listen to adults or don't distract kids in school. Um, yeah. The fact that it kind of went almost in the opposite direction is amazing. Yeah. It never ever, it, it makes the point. It was just like, these kids aren't distracting anyone. Right. Like, these kids appreciate their teachers. They respect their school. They're just being kids. Yeah, I like And that's a pretty, like, I'd say that's a pretty bold choice for a mainstream kids book to say. It's very progressive. It it, it really is. And, I mean, some of these books have really faltered along the way. Some of these books have been trying to make some political points that they simply weren't ready to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, uh, The Female Fullback was one of them. Like, it was trying to talk about girls in sports and how everyone should have a chance to prove themselves. But Grismeyer was such a disgusting human being <laughs> and he never got his comeuppance that it really soured the book. Um, I can see that. But, I mean, if he still works there in this book, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And even though Grismeyer and Ms. Glitch are loathsome human beings, uh, I felt like this book gave them their comeuppance a little bit, like showed them to be the hypocrites that they, they really were. Mm-hmm. And that, and it, and it brings it back to that whole thing of like, kids have always been kids. Like every, like most kids, most every generation has their like rebellious fashion, right? And the world keeps turning. Well, I think you could also reach it out to um, the younger generation, and you know, you always have kids, or I, I, I don't know, I've seen kids where they make like you'll find the kids that have, wear a cape because it makes them feel um, more comfortable or, you know, they wear the same thing every day or they want to wear their Halloween costume to school. Not necessarily to like, it's more of a comfort or anxiety free yes. kind of thing. And it kind of not even like trying to be outrageous or anything like that. So it's kind of also reaching to that level of just like, let your kids wear what they want to wear. They will yeah. grow out of it. Just let them be kids. And especially yeah. in today's age where everything's kind of structured and preparing for the future. I kind of want to just pass this book around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> be like, as a reminder, just let kids be kids. Let kids be kids. We had a guy in high school named Jim <laughs> who dressed like uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. He would come in full Peter Pan regalia, the hat, the pointy shoes, and the only people who had a problem with it were the people who had a problem with Jim anyway. 
Exactly. And and everyone else passed their classes and went to school. Like it wasn't a big deal. And I think that I think yeah, I think that when a lot of times it's it's adults, it's authority figures trying to prove they have authority mm-hmm. by just by making arbitrary rules. And also, although the book doesn't come out and say it, but it hints at it enough, also holding re- like stupid standards for girls mm-hmm. who the, who the point the 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 points that the adults are trying to make are things that the kids would never have even occurred to them right to even think about until someone pointed it out and made them feel bad and again it's about educating the boys Oof. about how to treat girls and not shaming girls for the way they want to dress exactly I I very much appreciate that this book didn't start as kids dressing to be distractions or anything like that. It it felt very real. And and, uh, I definitely think that high schools can read this book again. Like, it just should exist. (laughs) Well, and it is available as an ebook, as we learned. (laughs) Yes. So if you're interested in the variance and the dress code, pick up a copy. It is available online uh, for... I guess for your Kindle or whatever, uh, whatever form of portable electronic <laughs> book device. I'm an old man. I can't think of what these words are. Yeah, now um, uh, Amazon keeps recommending uh, bear books to me. Oh, you it's... should see my bear, my my Amazon recommendations. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> mine's all now. It's all Berenstain Bears and like Guillermo del Toro books. So it goes back and forth. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> With like a little taste of Beverly Cleary on the top. Oh, very nice. Um, so, Megan, we heard about your shows. Uh, where can we find your fine podcasts? Uh, I'm on everywhere that you can find podcasts. I think we're still trying to get Fabulous up on everything. But uh, I have two websites, judgingbookcovers.com and I think it's fabulousretellingspodcast.wordpress.com, um, okay. which uh, my my co-host, uh, Mary Lag Angway, keeps up to date much better than I do. I'm on, I handle the editing. She handles the actual website. It is amazing. Um, Twitter, Facebook, I'm kind of everywhere. Instagram, both Instagrams are kind of bookstagrams. So if you like pictures of books, um, Mary Bakes. So if you follow anything involving our fairy tale one, you'll see lots of things that she bakes and she is fantastic at it. So um, come drool over those pictures. Um, and then I'm pretty much anywhere uh, under Meg Griffin with three G's in the middle. So um, I guess currently on Twitter, I'm rambling about having grilled cheese and jelly uh, for the first time. My, my coworker <laughs> has been suggesting it for a year. Um, so I guess if you want really random things that I guess I really hear a lot about food these days, um, follow me on Twitter. So Awesome. Well, as usual, you can find me at uh, BerenstainBearCast.wordpress.com or you can follow us at BStainBearCast on Twitter. Uh, you can write to me at BerenstainBearCast at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes if you like it. And you can also find me at two other podcasts. I do a show with my 15-year-old called uh, It's Del Toro Time with Phil and Ollie, where we have been going through the films of Guillermo del Toro and are now going through the films that influenced Guillermo del Toro. Uh, and that's at DelToroTime.wordpress.com. And I also do a show with John McCoy called Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast where we've been working our way chronologically through the works of Beverly Cleary and you can find that at the Incomparable Network. Is that new? Megan, which one? The Cleary one. I don't think I knew about that one. 
Oh, yeah. We've been doing that for about a year now. Uh, a little over a year. How have I not seen that one pop up? The Del Toro one oh, I follow, but... Uh, that really Cleary one, we, we only put out an episode like every month or so. That might be why. Okay. I need to get on yeah. that. I love Beverly Cleary, so... Oh, we're ha- we are having such a fun time doing it. We just finished out. We just recorded and released the final uh, Henry Huggins book. Oh, how cool. So we haven't even jumped into the Ramona, Ramona years yet. So no, that's my childhood. Those will be coming up. Right there. Yeah, so those are really fun and a blast to talk about. And of course, John McCoy is just a delightful <laughs> human being. Um, just, he's a, he's a mensch and we all love him. So, uh, oh. so yeah, you can find us there. Megan, thank you so much for joining oh, me. Thank you for having me on. This was such a fun conversation. Yes. Uh, and for everyone else out there, thanks for listening. And I will see you all next time deep in Bear Country.